You are listening to Mike Seminary and Friends, a Q1 Network production. Gosh, you know, we live in a time where I don't know if education is more important or maybe more talked about in its importance for a variety of reasons today. Here's one thing I know, and this is from my background and being involved in a variety of uh, forms of economic development for the past, oh gosh, over 35 years, is that when prospective employers look at communities where they want to expand operations, maybe move their operations or start their operations. Here are some of the things that are very important to them. One, there is um, access to world-class healthcare. Have to have a dependable, sustainable source of water. Because without that, you've got nothing. Solid uh, form of communication and interaction with local government policymakers. That's always very, very important. And access to quality education, if, if you know, if not, uh, in fact, world-class education. One can make the case that that's, that's pretty readily available in places like North Dakota. But it goes beyond what we would traditionally call the traditional forms of education, things that get the attention of uh, those prospective employers, entrepreneurs, and others. And those are the efforts by individuals, typically in the private sector, that are engaged in ways to pull our young student population into engagement. What are the opportunities for them in the future? What are ways to release their creativity? And what are ways to identify if they have those skills and that you know, almost innate form of innovation that's required to become your own form of entrepreneur? What kind of problem-solving skills do you have or could you learn to, to develop to make you more productive in the things that you want to accomplish? And there's an organization, an effort that's been around North Dakota well, at least since the middle of 1995, somewhere in that area. And it was an offshoot of something else that was started maybe 10 years earlier. And this is called Marketplace for Kids. I know a little bit about it. It's one of the most incredible operations and opportunities for our young kids to learn more about the world that they're in and the opportunities that are available to them. And I'm just delighted to have the executive director of that wonderful organization, Marketplace for Kids, join me today on Mike Seminary and Friends, Bob Heitkamp, executive director. It's great to see you. How are you? I am just fine, Mike. Yourself? I'm wonderful. You, you have uh, recently wrapped up another very successful, I'll call it season, of Marketplace for Kids. I think you had 10 or 11 geographic locations where you set up shop with education day you did a statewide virtual but before we get into all of that bob why don't you share with our listeners exactly what marketplace for kids is and what drew you a lifelong entrepreneur who shared with me less than a month ago 
that for the first time, other than what you're doing right now, you don't have a business you own because you you've moved on to other things. Share all that with me and you have 32 seconds. Go ahead. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, Marketplace for Kids is a, an entrepreneurship and career awareness program for kids targeting uh, grades three through eight. Uh, it's a free program to everybody involved. Uh, it's open to everybody that would anyone that would like to come. Uh, we have students that will come from high school. We uh, actually recruit volunteers from the American Legion, retirement, retired teachers, uh, high school groups such as, you know, DECA and uh, Honor Society, those kind of people, bands and, and stuff like that. So we get a lot of high school kids to come and volunteer, and along with that, the public themselves. Uh, we group all these people together, and we bring them in, and they help us make the education day happen. So first of all, thanks to all of our volunteers, which I have a report of uh, just in front of me. Somewhere's around 2,200 hours this year. No, 2,400 hours this year that you know, this program obviously couldn't happen. We have an office staff of two full-time and two part-time people. So uh, wonderful people that work great together. Uh, what a team I've got. So, but the education day itself, uh, we'll go to a location and then we target kids in about a 60 mile radius, uh, students that can drive, you know, within a, an hour or so from their school. Uh, and then we'll have meet all at a central location, usually a college, because we generally take over an entire college, as you saw in Wapaton here a couple weeks ago. So um, we use just about everything they have on campus. And we'll bring in upwards of a thousand. Uh, Wilson will bring in almost 1,500 students, registered students, plus the people on top of that to help run things. So uh, it multiplies, you know, quite a bit more. So uh, by the time you figure presenters and staff and volunteers and, and, you know, people at our opening and closing. But uh, the education day starts, students will go to their school. Everything fits inside the school day, as is. So they'll get to their school, however they get there. They'll jump on a bus if they're from out of town and come to Marketplace for Kids, wherever that is, um, in the SCS, for example. Um, and the students will come there. We will have an opening rally. Uh, and I think you might have missed that, but that's a lot of fun. We'll have uh, either we like to have Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts. Um, we'll have National Guard. We'll have uh, Air Force Base people, personnel, uh, veterans of foreign wars, American Legion, anybody do a color guard. And then we'll have a youth singer that will sing the national anthem. Uh, we'll have a youth speaker, usually a, a young entrepreneur or somebody that's running their own business or just started their own business. Uh, we like to have a welcome from either anybody up to the governor, senators, or anybody like that. Uh, and then we have a welcome from the facility uh, campus, usually the president of the college or uh, someone like that. And then we like to have the mayor of the, of the community come in and welcome the kids to town, you know. And after that, we have a little bit of fun, and, and then we kick them out of there, and they go to classes. There's five classes. Uh, 25 minutes long. There's short, high overview look of, of a career choice or that kind of thing, or, uh, uh, you know, a, a career basically. So they'll, they'll go in and take a look at that. They get to pick their own. They, we haven't picked six, so we can give them at least five of their top six we like to get them. So 
And then uh, over the lunch hour, all kids are invited to do a uh, project, which is either a new business idea or a, uh, a new invention. So, And then over the lunch hour, they'll go to lunch a little early, skip one class, and then they have to show their invention or business idea to business owners, chamber of commerce people, development boards, anybody like that. And they'll you know, explain how their project works, how they came up with it, um, what they think it's worth, how many they think they can sell, you know, all the business questions that you got to ask if you were to take this to, to the market, right? And we inevitably every year will have a couple for sure, sometimes more students that will have a project that, you know, is market ready or near market ready. So we like to get them in touch with uh, the right people to get them down a path where they can actually take the, their products to market. Um, <clears throat> not familiar if you're, I'm going to name a, a young gentleman from, from Fargo that was uh, with us years ago, and we actually had him back uh, to, as a speaker for two or three years, actually, and he spoke at a lot of our events, but uh, he invented a product called the uh, Easy Puck, and his name was Riley Giag from Fargo, and he did all the great stuff, and he sells that same product all over the world now and, and, and just loving it. So, so Bob, what, what drew you to this? We'll, we'll talk more about the day and and um, what, what it does for kids. But what drew you to uh, essentially leave what you were doing and become the executive director and work as hard as you do? I mean, you, what, what you and your team of two full-time and two part-time people do is nothing short of extraordinary. What drew you to this? Well, what happened was I, I went to one. That's what drew me here. <laughs> You'll only go to one and not have a, a profound re, uh, respect for the program. Uh, Marilyn invited me, the, the previous director, <clears throat> and you know Marilyn very well. She uh, invited me to my first one in 2009. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that happened to be up in Moorhead. And we ended up having, I think she had 3,000 students at that one, which was a little bit overwhelming, I thought. So I was uh, there. Yeah. <laughs> I The way I got introduced to it was I had a, a new invention. And you mentioned the former program. This is kind of a spinoff of that was Marketplace of Ideas. And I had actually won that program, the, the invention contest. And that <clears throat> Marilyn asked me to bring that product up to the education day. Well, bring life happens, and I ended up teaching a class on how to start a business all that day because they had a presenter that they were short. Um, we did show my product over that lunch hour at the Hall of Great Ideas where, where they show the project projects. Anyway, from that day forward, I saw, you know, all kinds of buses from my region down here in southeast North Dakota you know, like Hankinson and Ledgerwood, Campbell Tinta, all over the place down here. We're driving all the way to Moorhead. And I asked Marilyn, I'm, I'm like, are you crazy? <laughs> Why would you do this to yourself? I said, have you ever thought of having one like in Wapton and kind of splitting it up a little? And she just said she didn't really know the right people. And I said, well, can I make you some calls or make some calls for you? And she goes, yeah. And, and we put together a little meeting about a month or two later and the next spring, we had our first one in Wapton to the tune of over 750 students. So it was, took off from there. And a year or so later, a couple of years later, she asked me to sit on the board of directors. I did that for my 
three-year term, and then she was looking to retire. And I guess for lack of doing a better job as a, a board of director and finding a replacement for her, I told them, I said, well, I said, I don't know if you'd take me, but here's what I can do. And I said, uh, her and uh, Wayne at the time, the secretary, and we, uh, I told them, I said, I'm not willing to let the program go away. I said, so if that's what it's going to come to, I said, I will give it my best shot. So, yeah, Bob, I, I want to give the listeners a little bit more background on the marketplace for kids. I, I think it originally started as an offshoot of marketplace of ideas, which was formulated during the real difficult, challenging years in the 80s that it were. <laughs> You know, kind of what we're going through again, high inflation. It was a tough ag market. Ag isn't as tough now as it it was back then. But there was a concerted effort by folks to uh, bring to uh, the attention those that are entrepreneurial inclined, and almost every farmer is. I mean, every farmer is an entrepreneur, right? Um, Some uh, alternatives or options for you to consider, depending on your skill sets and background, in addition to agriculture. And there, so there was this marketplace of ideas uh, set up, and it was wildly popular. And then this, I think, was birthed out of that effort, and it's been going on since 1995. And during the course of a year, you'll, you'll, in, your, in your case, you had 11, uh, in, you know, uh, Geographical location education day set up and then the statewide virtual probably had nine to 10,000 students during the course of that period of time participate. And I, I liken it to a kind of a version of Mike Rowe's dirty jobs where, um, de- depending on, uh, the, the lineup and the, the geographical location, these students, have the opportunity to explore uh, welding, uh, auto racing, and, and by the way, all the possible career opportunities associated with whatever that might be. So auto racing, uh, racing, welding, uh, operating heavy equipment, which who doesn't need that nowadays, right? Introduction to robotics, if you want to be a nurse, uh, dental hygienist, an electrician, a plumber, how to work in construction or concrete, and and then all the entrepreneurs. The list is absolutely stunning, frankly, of the opportunities for the kids to take a look at for that 20, 22 minutes, five or six times. I can't remember what it, I think it's six during the course of the day. And that's what you give them. And it is nothing short of spectacular watching how, um, I was at the opening ceremony, by the way, and I did hear, was it Addie, Addie Dodge, sing, yes. sing the national anthem? She just knocked it out of the park. Mayor did a great job, et cetera, et cetera. It is a wonderful day full of uh, access to great information for those students. And so I tip my hat to you, Bob. You, do, you and your team are doing, and your volunteers are doing a great job. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. It, it's quite a feat. And then I, I try to tell everybody, it's like, well, how do you do like 12 of them in a year? And I said, well, it's not really that bad. It only takes about one to two months to set one of these up. 
So we only have 12 a year and with four people, the math works perfect, right? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but yeah, the list of classes is, I've never really added up uh, how many classes we have a year, different, you know, targeted classes at careers and such. I should really do that just once. I'm, I'm such a math guy. And, uh, but yeah, they're regionally specific. Uh, you know, Williston obviously has different opportunities than Wapiton does or Grafton or Bowman, North Dakota, those places, you know. And what we do is when we set one of these up, a new education day, we call them, uh, we will spend most of a year with this, discussing meetings with uh, the local development board, uh, economic development, you know, teams, Chamber of Commerce, the city organizations, those kind of people. Um, and uh, we're actually doing that with a couple of them right now. And we spend that time with those people to understand what the community needs are. Um, community needs in Lofton might be manufacturing or uh, other things like that, you know, or retail, something like that. Williston is very well be oil field related. Um, stuff like that. Uh, Bowman, a little more agricultural, you know, Grafton up in there. They've got a lot of things going on. So we'll target, you know, whatever they need for, uh, if they're looking for, you know, workforce needs and stuff like that. And we can target those exact fields and career paths. And we'll go out and talk with those business owners that are looking for employees. And we'll have them come in and present a class exactly on those on those classes or on those fields, you know, exactly what they need. They let me add, let me add something here, Bob. I'm sorry to interrupt. Nope. But what you're describing, and you just did a great job of it, is not unlike the field trip days I had when I was a student. And and back then, you know, you'd get on a bus. If, you, if your school didn't have a bus, and some didn't, Parents would volunteer to drive kids to whatever the place of business was for that field trip day. This is a field trip on acid yeah. where you bring in. I, I mean, I, I don't know how many opportunities there were. I'm going to say somewhere between 50 and 60 different classes on campus that day. So here are all of these opportunities for these kids to get a look at. Um, a potential opportunity for them. And it really is a series of field trips in one location. And it's just, a, it's a beautiful thing to see. And I don't know anyone else that's doing anything like it anywhere. I I haven't been everywhere. I don't know everything, but I'm not aware of anyone that's doing anything remotely close to this. Yep. It's uh, it's quite a uh, an undertaking, we'll say. And it's all directed at the students themselves. I mean, the students, we want, I'm a firm believer. I watched it with my own kids. They knew what they wanted to be when they were two, three years old. They didn't know it, but I could see it in them. My son's probably got the largest collection of, of uh, Hot Wheels and, and Matchbox cars in the world. But what's he doing today? He's an automotive technician. So uh, <laughs> my daughter was, uh, she was bringing home wild animals and, and saved animals, little kittens and stuff like this all her life. Well, she wanted to be a veterinarian. Well, she went to school for that, ended up uh, thinking that she wanted to be more about uh, in with working with the uh, 
happy animals. So she went into the wildlife and fisheries. So, but yeah, they, they know way earlier than probably when we did. I kind of knew when I was a kid thinking back, I wanted to be a carpenter. Well, I did that. I lived that dream. That was a big part of my first, first part of my life, you know, and, and I got to have my own business and everything else. It was a wonderful time. Health reasons, I had to kind of get out of that field, which took me down this shiny quarter path, I call myself. And <laughs> from from that to the most, the greatest job on earth, I think, is getting to see all these jobs. So, uh, yeah, students need to know sooner. And it's not that they need to know for sure what they want to do, but they need to know what they like or learn what they like and getting them in front of all these different things in their community is the most wonderful thing that I think we could do for anybody. Because if we can save them uh, from going down, if, if they're, you know, nursing, we've had uh, kids take nursing classes when they play with fake blood a little bit. Well, we've had a few that come close to fainting. And, um, you know, if a student can't handle the sight of blood, why send them down a path they want to be a nurse, you know, if they're not going to be able to perform that job after 10, 20, 30, $40,000 in student debt, you know, we're going to save them a whole bunch of money just mm -hmm. by that learning, even something negative from a class that they went to at Marketplace for Kids. Uh, Bob, you mentioned that you, in advance of Education Day, which is like like a school day, 9 to 2, with, with all the opening that you, the ceremonies that you described, the classes, the lunch, the project day for the kids, classes in the afternoon, then the closing ceremonies. You had mentioned um, that you reach out to the community, the partners, uh, to ask them what they'd like to see. What kind of follow-up do you have with them after the education day itself? Well, we like to uh, have a wrap-up meeting, and we've got a few of them to do yet because things kind of snowball here towards the end of the year. But we like to have a, a meeting with our, our – we put together what we call an advisory leadership team, and that consists of – personnel from the facility, the host facility, um, which most of them are very gracious about donating their space and their time. Sometimes they're people, uh, they get volunteers for us. Plus they have presenters that come in and do classes, you know, obviously at the colleges, you know, where else are they gonna get a thousand prospective customers that on one day like that, that they can actually take into a classroom and show them what they do, you know, that's pretty cool opportunity. So. But we, we'll get together with them. Um, we have, like I said earlier, uh, we like to keep somebody from the development team, local community or, or regional development team, uh, Chamber of Commerce members, somebody from the city possibly. Uh, we like to have teachers and uh, principals, those kind of people on the staff, you know, and all the way down to logistics people. You know, we need to have tables or, or special things or IT people. All of those people, we like to have some form or mix and match of those on their advisory leadership team. And we'll sit down and discuss how things went, um, what we could do different, how to make things better. Um, kind of on that subject, we reach out. Every single student gets a report card in a bag, in their little green bag. You saw probably a thousand of them running around. I did. And in that bag is a report card for them. Uh, and a letter that tells them how to act that day, how to behave and stuff like that, what not to do, what to do, and all that stuff. But teachers actually beforehand will get an evaluation form. Um, presenters get an evaluation form. 
volunteers will get an evaluation form, uh, especially the class monitors. We have them sit in and help the presenters in their rooms. We try to put one in every room and they will give us feedback from the backside of the room. How did things go? Was it hot? Was it cold? Was it easy to get in and out? Too much stuff in the room, whatever. Um, we, and then we'll take that and all of those evaluations and report cards. We put that all in a database and they're, they're still working on that yet, our program managers. So, uh, when that's all done, we'll sit down and have a, a chat with the team and tell them what the kids are looking for. You know, what do they want to see next year? Um, what we could do, what we got to change at the facility. Well, this room didn't work at all, so we want to take that away. Um, say we had a class on planting flowers, but we had it in a room with carpet. Well, that's something we work very specifically with the facility months and months in advance. Do the rooms fit the presenters? And we'll spend months putting that together, that piece together. Um, presenter wants to have 16 students at most in his class. We'll find him a room that handles 16 people, according to fire code is what we got to watch. Um, and then if they're planting flowers, they're not going to get a room with carpet in it and probably not even dust. If we can get a lab with tables and stuff like that where they can, you know, if they have to any clean up, sweep the floor, that kind of thing, the, the better, you know, it is. So um, if we've got a class on how to run a business or something like that, more on uh, lessons about your money, those kind of things that in a room with a lot more kids we can have 40 50 kids uh, we'll put them in a big room carpet uh, seating all that kind of stuff desks whatever we can do and that's kind of how that works so that that helps us move forward and keeps the, the communications you know and the, the logistics between everybody all up to speed so and one of the things i observed and it is and by the way it is a jam-packed day it, it, yeah. it is full from bell to bell um, I don't recall seeing this previous to to this uh, education day in Wapton three weeks ago, two weeks ago, whatever that was. And thanks for the invitation, by the way. I, I've been to a nut, number of them, as you well know. I, I don't remember having a race car driving team and then the heavy equipment operational experiences the kids had. And I call that the the kind of the sexy stuff. But that room was jam-packed for the race car. Um, as you well know, there are lines to get into the equipment to operate it. That the, the And the kids' eyeballs are this big. I, I'm, I'm watching, I, even the parents, I'm watching them and the chaperones as they're observing the kids. I got to think that you get some pretty good feedback from chaperones, teachers, the, the students that are attending, even the facilitators of that particular class breakout, you must get some pretty good feedback from, well, from all of them, but particularly the classes I just mentioned. Oh, yeah. Yep. We can, we can tell right away when uh, we get a new class or something really cool like that, uh, simulators, uh, those kind of things. Anything the kids can get in and actually drive something. Well, you saw them driving tractors and walk them. Yep. That is like, it's just, it's the first class to fill, and it's the first come, first serve. So we let all the teachers know, you know, you want to get your registrations in early and give the kids their best shot at what they want to see. So, but the, uh, like classes like you had mentioned there, um, drones, they get to fly drones in a lot of places. They, uh, it, it just goes on and on. 
you know, the kids that want those classes and those classes will fill up so fast. It's unbelievable. But, and probably, so probably the, the biggest feedback we get is, uh, if we overload that class or, um, we do a really good job of, you saw every student had a name tag yeah. that had an exact schedule. And that's how our volunteers keep track of where those students are. And they do a good job of, they're not, if they're in a wrong classroom or something, say, well, we're just going to go to this class. It looks pretty cool. Well, they can't do that because we have to follow fire code. Occasionally it happens where there'll be a, a smaller group that'll sneak in or something and, and we'll hear about it from the presenters. You know, I had too many in this class and that kind of thing. But yeah, overall, the feedback is just phenomenal. It's, you know, this is the greatest thing I've ever done. Like you said, kids' eyes are this big, you know, and and Bob, you, you had mentioned you were on the board previously, and now you've been the executive director. Did you say four years? This is your fourth year as executive director? Well, actually, in August will be my seventh year. You're, oh, my gosh, seventh year. 2016, oh. yep. Have you had, you know, graduates from previous classes all the way back to 1995 communicate with you uh, during this, this seven-year period about their experiences and how that may have shaped some of their decision making after education days. Definitely. Yes. I run into it actually more and more as it seems like as I get older and as we get more kids, you know, through, I run into the, to them inevitably in the, the, you know, retail world or someplace like that. Um, I don't remember where I was going. I normally get my cars. I, we rent cars, you know, to travel places, most places. Uh, so I was at the airport picking up a car one day and the manager was there and I, I don't normally go to the airport, but that day I couldn't get one where I wanted. So I, they sent me up there. I went up there and the guy asked me, you know, oh, well, you need a car. And I'm like, yep, should be all done. I said, and I had a, a business card. I handed it to him and he looks at it and he goes marketplace for kids. And I'm like, yes, sir. You know, Bob, I kept, and he goes, I got your reservations already. Your car's outside the door, he said. He said, I want to thank you. He said, I went through Marketplace for Kids about eight years ago. And he said, Marketplace for Kids is why I am here. He was the manager of that uh, franchise, you know, for the rental car company. And he said, Marketplace for Kids taught me so much about entrepreneurship and how to, you know, work towards my own business and that kind of thing. He says, I'm not done yet. He said, this is just the next stepping stone for me in management and that kind of thing. He said, mm. he said, I will do more. And I get that from a lot of kids, you know, um, Riley, as we have discussed earlier, is just doing a phenomenal job. I don't know how many project products he's got. I know he's got a couple or two or three that he's selling uh, from when he was speaking with us a couple of years ago. So, but it happens, it happens more than we know. Uh, I wish there was some way that I can could get those kids to talk to us or, you know, send us a letter, drop us a note, any kind of feedback. You know, you can't track kids through their lives. It's kind of not a good thing to do. Yeah, may, maybe you can use your social media that, that you're activating to do that. Well, maybe, this if could, maybe if I get on the Mike Seminary and Friends show, maybe some kids out there would like to give us a call. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can, you, we'll post that on MikeSimmery.com along with the podcast, and, and they can do that. There you go. 
So you've done, you've been the executive director seven years. You, you, you work 12 months, you know, bell to bell. And the education days, after all the planning, which actually never stops, kind of crammed into really a three-month period, you know, March, April, May, for the most part. Um, what happened during COVID? Oh, Lord. Yeah, there's a part of our lives that we're never going to get back, huh? Yeah. Not saying we, there wasn't some plus that came out of that, but yeah, we were actually, it was a, I think it was a Sunday morning. We were loaded, the car was all loaded, ready to go, the rental car. We were on our way to, I think, Botano first, and Botano and Dickinson are during spring break week. They're back to back with a day in between. So we were headed up there on a, no, it must have been a, I think it must have been a Monday morning that year. Anyway, because I'll never forget it because we were standing at the doorway and looking at the car and wondering about this COVID thing, and we hadn't heard anything. The NDUS system had not shut down yet, and we had the radio on and stuff. And just about that time, they, the NDUS system made an announcement that they were shutting down all the colleges, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I said, well, I think we're going to get to unpack the vehicle. So from March 12th or 13th, whatever that date was, we were done for the year. We had gotten in two or three of them that year, you know, and phenomenal, you know, growth going on at that point, too, and everything. So so we came back in the office, and I proceeded to start uh, writing up some announcements and stuff so we could get that out there as well. And getting emails out to, you know, everybody involved, which took three days, I think. So, <laughs> but schools and teachers and all those people that we had all lined up for a couple months, you know, now got to be told that they can't go, and which I'm assuming a lot of them did know, but. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, it was, I was curious about that. And then kind of a follow-up, uh, you, you do a statewide virtual education day is that a result of covid and and if so or not whatever the answer is when did you start doing the statewide virtual we did uh yes that's a direct result of covid uh due to the fact that we were going to try and get online as fast as we could we didn't make it that spring i think it took us the rest of that year so it was after the first of the year of 21 uh that we scheduled five or six virtual events in our regular, regularly scheduled timeframes, et cetera. So um, what actually ended up happening, it was only a one year hit for us because the three or four that we got in before COVID hit were actually live days. They didn't get to do the virtual thing right away. So uh, they got hit the next time. So when it, we started in the fall before they got things opened up. So, but Anyway, it uh, it went over very well, uh, considering it took us a year to put something like this together. Uh, we spent, I spent three, four months looking for a program that was cost effective, uh, you know, and that kind of stuff that we could actually put videos uh, together to show the kids, you know, and it was just videos, keep in mind. So, and we also then started scheduling recording sessions. So. Uh, we would get all of our presenters and try to get into a school with three or four kids, something like that, keep it minimal, and try to have the kids involved and, and show them how it worked, you know. And we've got a number of those that are are uh, strictly videos, how-to videos, and 
you know, this is what we do, career view type looking things. Uh, and it actually turned out okay. So we've got, we now use that virtual program as an option for somebody that's in a region that's 100 miles away from their local, local regional event and they just can't get there time-wise. Um, and it's also open uh, out of state. So we, we actually had our first virtual event in Canada here last year, so this last season. So it's all pretty cool stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's an option. We've got, I think, 25, 30 class options for them to look at, plus a couple recorded opening and, and closing events. So, Bob, you mentioned that you have uh, two uh, FTEs and two part-time folks. So you have four folks that work on uh, Marketplace for Kids and in large part the Education Day. Last year or this year, the school year, did 11 uh, on-site education days and in the virtual. And that's all over the state for Williston, Botno, Minot, Cavalier, Fargo, Mayville, Wapiton, Valley City, Bismarck, Fort Yates, Dickinson, and then the statewide. So you have a lot of expenses. Two full-time people, two part-time, travel, renting facilities because nothing's free anymore. Um, you have to make accommodations for providing lunch. Um, the, obviously, there are additional expenses. Um, and I, and I, I can only imagine that after my time there, it only gets more expensive because as time goes by, inflation adds costs to everything. Talk to us about how you raise money how important donors are, how important partners are, and how folks listening can help you with that. And then you also write grants. So kind of walk us through that whole process, because that's probably the largest responsibility in your job, I'm thinking. That takes up a big, big, big share of my time. Yeah, we uh, we have a, a huge uh donor base, we'll call it, our sponsors that, that back us on a regular basis and have been sponsors for years and years and years. And they are absolutely wonderful, and I can't thank them enough, and we can't do enough for them uh, for what they do for us, but that's a, a huge part of this, and we're talking like 40-plus percent, 30-40 percent of, of all our funding comes from private donors. Uh, businesses and people, local companies and stuff like that. Uh, those people, we try to, we do quite a few things for them. We put them on our website, we on our sponsor page at marketplaceforkids.org. Um, we will put their logo on there. Uh, I think it's anything over $500 for a donation. And we'll put their logo on there with a link to their website to help drive traffic to their website. Um, they all get, I, I think you probably have an education day laying around there somewhere, uh, education day guide laying around there with all our sponsors on the back. Uh, we do a gold star sponsor program for anybody that donates $1,000 to a specific region. They would get right on the back page with a big gold star. Um, they get on our opening and closing presentations that all the public and the whole crew, everybody sees it's at an education day. So they get out there to quite a bit. Um, the books, once they're in our book, they stay in our book for one full calendar year. And they don't just go in that region's book. 
they go in every region's book across the state. So they get advertising across the whole state of North Dakota. And uh, we print about 6,000 of those books a year. So they get quite a bit of exposure that way. Um, some of them will get mentioned in our, our ads, uh, you know, media ads or TV announcements, anything like that, you know, interviews, that kind of thing. Um, we are partially funded through, I can't, you know, not mention North Dakota CTE department. They are our largest sponsor by far. They are huge. Um, we get a grant through them, a biennial grant, uh, which helps us. The program couldn't run without it. I don't know that we could manage three or four events probably without them um, because of the expenses for the for the full year. Um, and the kind of the remainder of it, then we're always looking for new sponsors as well. Anybody is, that's interested, give us a call, jump on our website. We take private donations through uh, our website also at, on our donor section tab. Um, that can be direct, credit cards, whatever. Um, we have, I spend a lot of time, like you said, foundations, and I did do the math, Mike. I know the numbers now. I believe it was 57 grants I applied for this last year. And I, I'm, exact numbers, I'm not sure, but I want to say it was like 45, 47% somewhere in there of uh, successful grant applications. So we did very well there this year. That's great. It's a big number if you're. If you're asking for you know upwards of two hundred thousand dollars, that's a big number. So yeah. um, we did very well there this year. So and uh, a lot of those foundations are regionally supported as well. You know uh, they get donations from somebody else. And and because it's an education program, it's a, a kind of an easy sell. I'll say uh, not that we don't work very hard at it, but it, there's nothing more important than teaching our our little us how to, you know, run this world before we leave, you know, and that kind of thing. So we I, owe it to them to give them the, the best shot they can get. So. Yeah, Bob, I, th I just think that this experiential field trip-like experience is critically important, particularly at, at those ages. Those are very, very informative periods of time, you know, third grade through seventh and eighth. And to your point, some kids are already kind of thinking about what they'd like to do. Obviously, for all of us, that can change over time. Their parents, guardians, teachers, counselors also influence the, the career path that they, they might take. But when you're in an environment, this is my personal opinion, when you're in an environment where you can have hands-on, you can ask questions that, that are answered. You can actually go experience the piece of equipment. You can operate it in, in some cases. You can learn so much. I, I, I just have always believed, again, based on my experience with Marketplace, it is an incredibly important opportunity for those kids. And sadly, not everyone can do it because there's, there's only four of you. There's only so many locations. There's only so much time. Where where do you see it going from here? This year you did, I, I'm going to assume, somewhere around 10,000 students at those locations, lots of data to crunch, lots of uh, reports and surveys to look at. But where do you kind of see it going 
if there's an evolutionary step or what you're doing right now is perfectly good for now. Well, and what we're doing, I think, is is great. But I'm a firm believer that we need to reach more. I'm the, and I think the virtual thing, you know, the virtual education day showed us that we can reach so many more students than we ever dreamed of before. Um, and we were, we look at the state of North Dakota and we try to target areas where, you know, we don't have an education day. Who can't get to one of these? And that's kind of what we target for regions. Uh, Fort Yates is a good example. Uh, and it's kind of our uh, Native American initiative where we're kind of focusing more on some of the, the um, reservations in those areas and the colleges in those areas uh, to get them more involved. Um, plus, they probably need a little more help getting their kids in front of, you know, what they've got, that kind of stuff. Uh, Fort Yates is in one of those areas that's far enough away from Bismarck. It's, it's kind of a pain to get there. Uh, our first year in Fort Yates was a great year. It was cold. We had a couple of schools that couldn't make it. But we had two or three schools from South Dakota that joined us. Uh, that was huge. And um, just things like that just extends our reach so much more. Uh, growth of Marketplace for Kids, uh, and I don't try to limit it in any way. So next year, what we've got going on, we have a tentative education day scheduled for Fort Totten next year. And that's kind of a double hit because we don't have one right in that area. Uh, in sometime in October, I believe we're going to uh, have an education day up there up at the college. And um, the, we have a couple others that are rotating in and out. So uh, every other year and those kind of things. Uh, we are actually talking with the North Dakota State Library. What is it? The library they're building out by Medora? Yeah. The Theodore Roosevelt Library. Theodore Roosevelt Library. And we've been in talks with them and hopefully host you know, can host one out there. And one of the cool things that has come up here in the last six, eight months here is we've partnered with uh, Earth Sciences Foundation, which is a, a Montana-based foundation, nonprofit, that teaches kids on how to dig dinosaurs. Uh, the director there, Tom Hebert, and was so impressed with our project and what we're doing, and he wants to do the exact same thing with him teaching kids about digging dinosaurs all for free and that kind of stuff. So we've been working with him and he's come to North Dakota to five or six of our education days. He's committed to coming to everyone just to teach kids about dinosaurs. Um, he's had a couple of timing conflicts and stuff where he couldn't make it. But through him and talking with the people that the uh, foundation itself is located in Roundup, Montana. And after speaking with the principals and or the uh, yeah, principals at the uh, Roundup schools. We had a meeting with them in February, and they were so excited about the program that we are actually going to, we have a, an education day tentatively scheduled for this late September, October time period of 24 in Montana, our first event. Wow. So, you know, I, you just helped me answer a question I've had since I was at Wapaton. When I walked by that classroom, how to dig dinosaurs, I heard a collective, oh, there's one walking. I think when they looked at me and saw how old I was, Bob, that was just a natural spontaneous, because they thought all dinosaurs were dead. Let me ask you this question with regards to the uh, wonderful 
cooperation with the educators throughout the school system. You know, education is pretty programmed, pretty planned. And and taking a whole day for something is no easy request per task. Kind of walk us through how that works and what the expectations are from the education educators educators perspective should they bring a class for the whole day well we've got a, a really cool program where we have uh, we will do in-class presentations um, anybody that ever has a question about marketplace for kids uh, they just need to call us or send us to us an email whatever they want to do we can answer any questions they have uh, we, it kind of starts so back up a little bit we're a month away from preparing because we're doing all these reports you were mentioning, of course, but uh, we do a statewide mailer to every single teacher, uh, principal, superintendent, coordinator, counselor, um, all those people in the, in the schools. Each and every one of them will get a, a piecemeal uh, mailer with the entire year's schedule, which I'm working on today already for next year. And uh, that will show them exactly when their education day is. It's got some information about Marketplace for Kids, some contact info, of course, and all that. And that's our our first contact with the educators. From that point on, we have all those uh, emails and and whatnot condensed down to a regional uh, section. So all of our regions are in a, a, a database. And those from that point on, uh, Mayville will be our first education day this year, usually is in October. And what will happen is we will send all those teachers and all those same people in Mayville uh, in that region will get an email with an e-blast that explains about Marketplace for Kids, the date, the times, um, who's going to be there, some of that information, and how we can help them get registered and what else we can do for them about the class in classroom uh, visitations which everything is free of course and we'll come in and talk to you know classrooms the kids themselves and everybody on how to do projects how to get ready for the day Um, we have lesson plans we have a a learning guide that's you know a huge database of of information for them that's on our website available Um, we have a uh, uh, professional development program for the teachers that you know can help them get their extra credit that they need they need you know usually they wait till summer but this is something that can happen throughout the year if they're coming to an education day anyway they can sign up for an education day or a professional credit through one of our five partner colleges that uh, that will you know they they purchase the credit or sign up for the credit do the class when they're completed we get the paperwork and we will pay them back for that reimbursement or reimburse them for that credit. So that's free or nearly free. Um, I think most of that's right around fifty dollars the colleges do for us anyway. So there's a you know a plus there. So um, it just it, we just go on and on and on and try to get them. So but the the teachers and all the educators will get at a minimum of three e blasts going leading up to the education day um, with specific times and time to get you know because. Registration quits, I believe, about two weeks ahead so that we can wrap up all the logistics and print the name badges and all that stuff. So mail them out. Um, it's, some of that is time that we just can't change, you know. So but it works pretty good. Marketplaceforkids.org 
is the website. Are you using social media with any degree of? We do. Yeah, we've, um, we're pretty active on the Facebook page um, with announcements and keeping things up to date and stuff. Uh, Twitter, not so much. I, I mean, I'm on there, but I, I don't do a lot with it. So, uh, and we do not have a TikTok space. So yeah. we just didn't go down that road. So Facebook and our website and in person. And you activated an Instagram account, I think. Oh, yes. Yes, we do have Instagram, I'm sure. Yep. Yeah. How can people help you? What would you like people to do if they go to the website? What would you like people to do, Bob? Well, maybe mainly help us spread the word. You know, if you if your school or your students aren't getting to an education day or haven't had the opportunity, um, give us a call. We'll get you to the right uh, location. We got we have contacts that you can talk to uh, that are going that they could ask questions about. How is it? You know, how did they like it? You know, pros and cons. Well, we're more than happy to share all that information with them, so uh, we can help them get there. I mean, it's it's such a wonderful tool for a student that is that young. You know that that, that can help them. We can't measure how much it helps them. I get, I get a lot of those questions in grant writing. You know, how how can you prove your outcome? You know, how can you how do you know you're doing good? It it's the look in their eyes when you went through. You know, at that, and they're standing in that race car. And he probably started the race car. It's that look in their eyes when they're like, "Oh my!" You know, is this a possibility for me? You know, or they're welding, uh, simulated welding, that kind of stuff. Driving that tractor to see those kids, you know, and actually doing those things is just phenomenal. So, oh, their eyes were big as saucers. It it was really something something to watch. Marketplaceforkids.org. Here's what I'm going to say in closing, and then you can wrap it up, Bob. I was asked by a previous employer to represent our company at Marketplace for Kids. In fact, this was back in the day when Marketplace for Kids and Marketplace of Ideas was kind of combined. I'm going to say this was back in 2003. 2004, when I first started getting involved. It is a remarkable experience for kids. And bar none, I, I've been to, um, I, I've lost track. I, I'm going to say I was in front of 40,000 kids during my time. <laughs> and they're all well behaved. Yeah, you know, everybody wants to, you know, when you have 40,000 kids, there's bound to be one Mike Seminary in there, right? That's going to you know, be kind of uh, the student's uh, a problem for the teachers. But it is amazing to watch what they learn, how excited they are. It is thrilling to watch them present their idea for their project. And some of them are really on the edge of things we're looking for right now, right? I mean, these are some really creative minds that are putting ideas to, uh, on paper for us to consider. And then how the institution itself, in this case, Washington State School of Science, participates. That's not the name of it anymore, North Dakota State School of Science. All of it, it is all a remarkable experience. And I agree with you. If there are ways to reach more, that's, that, that 
would just be ideal. What would you like to say to wrap this up, Bob? Well, about the only thing that I'd like to, to kind of get in also is uh, not all the classes we have are, are the spotlight type classes either. We have a, a backbone of marketplace that, that a lot of people might not know about, the STEM or STEAM related classes, those kind of things. We have a backbone of those classes that is taught by state educators um, all across the state. And I can't thank those people enough either. Um, they all volunteer and do this for, for free, basically, as well, a free lunch, basically. <clears throat> so, and those people are, and I'm going to list a few of them, Jumpstart North Dakota, um, North Dakota State Electrical Board has joined us. We partner with all of these people and on an annual basis. Um, North Dakota Sur Surveyors Association, North Dakota CPA just joined us this year. Um, electrical, uh, some of the electrical uh, groups, uh, uh, what are they? Help me out. Associations? Yeah, associations or whatever. So um, it just goes on and on and on. Uh, math and science teachers, uh, we have all of that. You know, all of those things, engineering, uh, North Dakota Engineering uh, Association, and those people teach our kids the basics and stuff. Uh, they get, we try to get one or two of a lot of those classes. Money classes is a big big one that I think every student should get a piece of. So we try to get all of our students in one of those that teach them how to save money, um, how to spend money. Uh, they'll actually put them through a business, little business course that kind of stuff, but but you just can't say enough for the volunteers and the people all across the state that help us out of state as well, you know. So now hold on a second. How to save money and how to spend money? I'm thinking in Washington D.C. They only knew know how to do half of that. Right. I think it's on the spending side. But I'm going to leave that for another time, another day. Thank you. <laughs> hey, Bob, what you what you and your group are doing is amazing. And, and thank you for being so passionate about it. Thank you uh, as an entrepreneur being drawn to it, you, you and your wife and your team. It's very, very important. North Dakota is lucky that there is an organization like Marketplace for Kids led by people that have hearts and care a great deal about kids in our future. This is a very important program, and I appreciate you so much. Place to go is marketplaceforkids.org. You can go to Facebook, too, but all the information that you need is right on that website. Bob, thanks so much for joining me. And again, thank you for what you're doing. It's critically important. Thank you for having us, Joel. You take good care. You too. Thanks. <laughs>